200,000 subscribers on YouTube now, man, that's like baffling amount of people. You can't let people have grips that control you. Every crawl is like bringing the, the wedge higher and higher and higher. Welcome everyone to another episode of Elbows Type Podcast. It's your host, Travis. And for the third time, the most reoccurring guest in Elbows Type history, Mr. Jordan Pressinger. How you doing today, Jordan? Yeah, I'm doing good. Honored to be here, like always. My third appearance and hopefully my best one. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. Yeah, you, I mean, you're like top of the notch every year when you come on. So I appreciate it. And also, I saw the shout out on the one of the YouTube videos, the 10 trips to not get submitted or what was it? That, yeah, I think it was that that one. Uh, or not get some. Yeah, 10 passing tips. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, couldn't I was not like, I was like, shout you out. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it was probably a big surprise when you were watching it. And all of a sudden, oh, it's like he's talking about me. So yeah, the whole time you're like, just keep your elbows tight. And I was like, podcast. And then you're like, like my friend Travis podcast. I was like, oh my God, that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had to. Had to surprise you too. No, I appreciate it, man. That's uh it's super humbling. Especially congratulations on the two hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube now, man. That's like baffling amount of people. Uh and we were just talking about this before press and record. It's like, you know, you're just a guy that loves jujitsu that just wants to help and give back to the community and you know, so many people are are so grateful for, you know, the knowledge that you spread. So I'm excited for them to hear this episode, too. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it like 200,000 makes me feel like I'm like a big, a big YouTuber now. It's like that was like the number where I felt like, OK, I've like made it kind of. So, yeah, it's super, uh, super cool. And um, yeah, I just love doing this. I love teaching. I love talking about jujitsu. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for today. Yeah, uh, just for reference, guys, the first time Jordan was on, he was at 40,000, I think maybe 43,000 subscribers on YouTube. And uh, that episode blew up because I think you were just like, I just I caught you right at the right moment. You know, you're you're right at the hockey stick. So uh, it's super cool to see your success. And it's super motivating for me to to keep making content, too, man. So thank you for all the time and the shout outs and, you know talking to me i know you're a super busy guy and i'm sure you get a lot of dms every day so <laughs> yeah, i do i do for sure and, but yeah no thank you thank you for having me yeah so the, uh let's go ahead and like jump into the conversation we both want to talk about tips or theories or concepts or whatever for people to focus on in 2024 to really you know have that hockey stick and skill or trajectory for getting better at jujitsu. So let's go ahead and like jump into the first one. What is, what is the first thing you think people should focus on in 2024 to get better at jujitsu? The first thing I think people should focus on is not just learning more techniques. And if anything, I would try to stop learning more techniques altogether. Like if you've reached a certain point and I would just work on getting better at the techniques you do know. And for example, like you know, sometimes I think about what kind of instructionals I want to make and whatnot. And if it's like a guard like De La Hiva or reverse De La Hiva, like I can't really fill out a whole like couple hours worth of instructional because I only do like three or four things. And like, it's really not that much stuff. And that's, it's, it doesn't take a long time to uh, learn a couple different moves from different positions and kind of make a part of your game. But I feel like so many people, they just want to collect techniques. And a lot of these techniques are like, um, they might only be available like a very small percentage of the time. Whereas like there's techniques that are just so fundamental that uh, they haven't even perfected yet. Like a great example is like a knee slide. Like mm. I said it many times before on the channel that like, um, 
you know, anytime I roll the blue belt, they try to knee slide me. I, I always know they're going to give me the underhook and then I'm going to be able to take their back, but they still do it over and over and over. But if they were just to, if they were to understand better, um, when to go for it, how to set up grips, the grips needed to do it and whatnot, they would have more success and they wouldn't, you know, have their back taken. So, but instead, again, they, they want to learn more and more different techniques and they haven't perfected the ones they are good at. So, or they, that they do, that they do use and, and they're probably good at. So, yeah. And there's a difference between being good at something and, you know, truly mastering it. And, um, yeah, that's what I think people should do. It's just, uh, really hunker down and get better at what's actually important instead of collecting techniques. And yeah, just in general, I think what people should do is just focus this year on understanding jujitsu better. I think that's what's most important over everything. Like the more you understand it, the easier it's going to be and the less you need to think like a great comparison would be um, like techniques are kind of like, if, like if you're going to learn a new language, like learning a bunch of phrases is great for sure. And there's phrases that are going to be very important to learn uh, to get around, but you need to truly understand the language to, you know, be able to communicate. And that's the same with jujitsu. A lot of people are pretty good at jujitsu, but they still don't, uh, they don't understand it great. And they could be better if they understood it better. And there's people that are, aren't great at jujitsu. And if they increase their understanding, instead of trying to collect different techniques, they would get better too. So that's what I think is, is most important this year. Just try to understand jujitsu better. Um, you know, through concepts, through, through like just learning more, um, and asking your instructor questions, because that's one thing too. It's, um, I think people don't ask enough questions and that's one thing in my class is like, I always ask, does anyone have any questions? And, and nobody, uh, has any questions, but I want people to ask questions so, so they can understand it better because again, it's not just the move itself. You need to, uh, know, it's like the why behind it and uh, just understanding jujitsu as a whole. Yeah, I posted a meme yesterday that was like, uh, it was basically about, you know, that white belt that asks what ifs or too many questions or whatnot and how sometimes, you know, uh, coaches or professors can get annoyed about it. But uh, that person is gaining a lot of knowledge by asking questions. You know what I mean? I always tell my son, I'm like, don't be afraid to ask questions because what you, you think you're going to look stupid because you're asking a question that you don't understand. But what's going to make you look dumber, being held back or asking a question, trying to understand something? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you got to ask questions. It's OK to ask. No one knows everything. Even even you don't know everything. You know a lot. You know what I mean? But it's it's OK to ask questions. You have to have the humility to to know like, man, I don't understand this. Like, and be okay with that because jujitsu is a long game. You're not going to know everything right away, especially like most people that listen to this are low level belts. They're mid, you know what I mean? Like blues, maybe purple, a lot of white. You you ha don't, don't put that stress on yourself thinking that you can't ask a question because you're supposed to know something. I'm going to tell you right now, your professor knows you don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> so ask the question. I mean, if, if an instructor doesn't uh, like when their students ask questions, that makes no sense to me because for a lot of reasons, one, it shows that they're interested and want to learn. And then two, if you don't know the answer to the question, um, then that's a problem and you can solve it by thinking about it. And then you're going to understand the, instru the instructor themselves are going to understand jiu-jitsu better and be more prepared when they are asked that question. So um, I love when people ask me a question, I have to think about it and I'm like, okay, well, now that I can actually use what they asked and my, 
you know, mm -hmm. my understanding now on YouTube because other people might have the same question and, you know, I've increased my understanding. And when I was a, like a blue belt, especially, I asked so many questions. I was probably so annoying to the instructor. Well, I know it for sure. I was, <laughs> I could, I the could, meme was for you, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could feel it. For, I could feel it from them and uh, sometimes the other students, but you know, I wanted to know why, like always, I want to know why, why this, why not that, you know, why is this not better? You know, why is this grip not better? This is easier for me. Like why, why do I have to do it this way? But not in like a, you know, condescending way. Yeah, exactly. Not a condescending, challenging way. Like I truly want to know. And I remember one time I asked a question and then he said, well, the, uh, and then the answer was, well, this is how the Mendez brothers do it. That's, that's the way they taught it. And, but like, that's not good enough for me. You know, like if he doesn't know, then he should figure out the answer, not just this is how you do it, because I was told it. And a lot of instructors do that where they uh, they teach how they've been taught rather than teaching rather than teaching like uh, how how they understand it because they don't uh, understand it. Great. So, yeah, man, ask questions like as much as you can until you truly understand everything. Yeah, it's kind of like tie it back to what you you know, the first point was. Uh, understanding techniques better rather than collecting them. How do you think people should, especially in today's landscape of, you know, massive amount of content out there between YouTube, Instagram, Facebook? I mean, there's just like TikTok. You, you could just get bombarded with fresh techniques to where you're like, I want to, I want to use this. I want to try this. I want to try this. How can how how can you suggest people kind of hit the brakes on that and you know really focus on what they need to get better at and how do they know that? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, one thing people could do is uh, ask their instructor, what's like style of passing would work best for them? What style of uh, guards would work best for them, you know, and then build off that. Like what I like to do or what I used to do is if I want to learn something, I would watch like 10, 15 videos on the same thing. So I could um, pick up different techniques and different details uh, from different no, sorry, not different techniques, like different details uh, on specific techniques from different instructors. So um, that way it would increase my understanding because some instructors, they might they might prioritize certain details over others. And then you really gain like all the important details and see how people do it different. And then you learn too. a lot of techniques aren't necessarily different techniques. They're just small variations of other of like another technique. So you can. Um, like there's a lot of ways to do something, um, but it's really in reality the same thing. So, for example, like a like a arm weave pass or some people call it a leg weave pass. It's the same thing. But basically it's from like the knee shield where you loop your arm through mm -hmm. and then you, you know, you knee slide or whatever you do. Well, that's pretty much the same thing as like dope mount, because all you're doing is uh, putting a, a wedge in the way and pinning their their legs to the mat, pinning their legs uh, to the side of the same side and then um, progressing. So, uh, you know, you use a wedge so that their legs stay there as you move. And then, you know, you could say the same thing about, um, it's very similar to a side smash where you smash their legs together. And there's a lot of these techniques are so similar. And then if you understand what's important, what to prioritize, um, it becomes so much easier because that's where people mess up the most. It's like, in every technique, there's certain things to prioritize and they don't really understand what it is they need to prioritize. They're just, they just think they're doing it wrong when um, it doesn't go right. And there's truth to that. Like probably they are doing something wrong, but they need to figure out what that, what that is because if they don't figure it out, they're going to keep doing it. So um, 
yeah, I think that's a big thing is that instructors and just 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 jujitsu as a whole, they they don't really um, tell students what it is they need to prioritize. So another example would be um, to say it's like a Tozi pass or a Sao Paulo pass um, from Close Guard, or maybe it's just um, um, just from just like a knee slide from half guard. Um, it's the same kind of thing because you're tripoding and with an underhook and you're getting past their legs. Well, if you don't control their hips, then yeah, they're going to triangle you. And then if you get triangled, you need to understand it's because you didn't control their hips. But if you understand, I need to prioritize the controlling the hips right now. Um, then you can have success with that, with that, uh, with those passes or another example, just say you're doing a lot of rolling back attacks. And when you do them, sometimes your own back is being taken. Well, what do you need to prioritize when you do that? You need to prioritize knee positioning. So to make sure your knee is pointing towards you um, and not the opposite way. And that it's hard to explain without like, um, you know, showing a video or people mm -hmm. seeing it, but all like every single technique, there's, there's a battle that needs to be won between the, per, the, between both people. And if you understand what the battle is, you're going to have more success, uh, way more success. So yeah, it's like, that's one thing that, um, you know, guys like Greg Saunders are good at, um, is like making games out of jujitsu to, uh, you know, show what it is that they do need to prioritize. So I think that there's a lot of, um, value and stuff like that. Um, and just in general, yeah, people, people got, have to be told what it is they need to prioritize. Um, yeah. 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 So basically wrap it all up for this one point, focus on the techniques that you need to get good at. Don't try to collect. And if you don't know what you need to work on, ask your professor, cause he's going to know your game better than you do. <laughs> yeah, they should, they should for sure. Yeah. And they should also have an understanding of, um, what uh you know what kind of jiu-jitsu works for different body types so for example mm -hmm. someone with uh short limbs like me i have very short legs like super short legs it's actually like comical when you when you look at my torso compared to my leg length <laughs> yeah and the gi hides it well <laughs> yeah people don't always notice i remember one time as a teenager i was working at tim hortons and uh the the other workers are making fun of me because they could they could see how long my torso was i was like you guys are so rude. Make me feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't care anymore. Uh, it's not a big deal. But I think it's funny now. But uh, so I have short legs, right? So using techniques like that require um, my legs to be fully extended, like Delahiva, like where you have your inside leg is going to be framing on, on their leg. Um, I can't really do it great because I can't keep that. I don't have a long enough leg to actually put enough tension on them. So Delahiva is not great for me. Um, and then other guards like that, it's the same kind of thing, like collar and sleeve. I can't really give like maximum distance uh, using my legs because they're, again, they're short. I can still use them on certain people, but against people with long legs, those kind of guards are not going to work whatsoever. So some, somebody with short legs, they should try to always get their legs on the inside. So for example, shin on shin, and I use shin on shin all the time, like all the time. Like if it's sit up guard, shin on shin, if it's reverse Del Hiva, shin on shin, um, so many different, uh, positions like that, you know, half guard, always putting in my butterfly hook, uh, which is pretty much the same thing. Just bring it. It is the same thing. You just bring your instep to the inside and that's kind of stuff is hard for people with long legs because they need so much room to get their leg on the inside in the first place. So yeah, I mean, um, if people 
are learning and prioritizing techniques that aren't great for their body types, mm, then they're not going to, yeah, it's going to be really tough for them. And so they can, it, they should be able to ask their instructor, um, what kind of techniques will work best for them and get a good answer, but not always will you, um, unfortunately. So yeah, I, I'm going to make a video soon on like, uh, body types, like what you just use best, uh, for different body types and explain it and everything. So I think that'll help people. Yeah, that, I mean, that'd be a great idea because people are always asking that question. So, uh, okay, so what would be your next thing that people should focus on uh, in 2024 to level up their jiu-jitsu? Yeah, um, I mean, it's all just about understanding jiu-jitsu better. And then there's certain concepts uh, that are very important to understand. Like, for example, I think uh, just in general, inside position, wedges, layers of defense kind of stuff I go, well, stuff I go over in my jiu-jitsu theory course and on my YouTube channel and, and other people go over it as well. Like that stuff's very important. So let's one, attack the first one. Let's go to wedges first. What, what about wedges? Cause I hear this a lot and even I've tried to explain it, but I feel like I don't do, do it justice on what exactly wedges are. And you kind of alluded to it in the first tip. So you want to go a little bit deeper into like wedges and how to use them. Yeah. And that's actually something, um, that just recently I started thinking about, um, the importance of, uh, of it and what, what they are truly, because sometimes people say, uh, these terms and they don't really explain what they are. And I guess I was, yeah. I'm guilty of that too right now, but now I'm going to explain it. So, uh, what a wedge is, it's just think of it like a doorstop. So you put something, you put a wedge, uh, underneath the door to keep the door open. And that's what you need to do in jiu-jitsu. You need to keep the door open. You need to open the door and then keep it open. And you do so using wedges. So, for example, doe mount is a great example. You put your knee between their legs and you point your knee towards them. Um, and then now you have a wedge in place, keeping the door open. And what the door is, or what people should think of the door is, is, um, well, okay, think of the door being closed as people being uh, as your opponent being elbow to knee. So they're here, they're elbow to knee, the door's closed. And then you can't get on the inside because the door's closed, right? But if you do things like put in wedges, so from dope mount, um, you're keeping their knee uh, down so they can't bring it to their elbow, um, then the door is closed, at least that part of the door. But you also need to open up like uh, the upper body too to actually get to, to progress. So you can put a wedge in place like a, like an underhook and um, mm -hmm. and then you can actually progress getting your other knee um, all the way through within the door to get to mount. So, um, yeah, I mean, what can I think? And just in general, okay, you can take an underhook and it can be a grip on a person, which is great. But you can also take an underhook and put your hand on the mat and use it as a wedge. Mm. So that's one thing, like there's a difference there. So when you're... Um, well, a great example would be you take an underhook for a arm triangle, right? You crawl your fingers up. Every time you crawl, you're opening the door more and more. And uh, every crawl is like bringing the, the wedge higher and higher and higher. You can't just lift your arm up and lift their arm up unless you're super strong. You need to make like increments of that wedge. And again, it's opening the door. It's taking their elbow um, from down to all the way up. Well, now the doors, now the doors open. Now you can attack, uh, you know, arm triangles, uh, uh, arm bars, everything you want. Like you need to open the door to be able to attack the person. 
Yeah, that's a great point because we've we've like kind of discussed it in our academy before. And uh, the the one place that we always talked about is kind of like inside control is to like elevate them a little bit and bring them in closer to you, creating a wedge with like your knee or your shin or something like that underneath them to kind of like uh, make them more uncomfortable, I guess you could say. And so I was like just thinking, I was like, man dope mounts a great one to insert in the wedge and and so now i was like where else do i see these wedges and that underhook is a great way to think about it i didn't even think about that because i just think of underhook as an underhook but no that's that's a great way of your wedging underneath the arm to to elevate and keep that that space open that inside position open yeah side control is a great example too that you brought up like you do you bring your knee um like you keep your knee close to them because you don't want them to bring their knee uh, back to mm-hmm. the inside, right? Because what happens when they bring their shin on the inside, their knee on the inside, they're closing the door, right? And well, shit, now now the door's closed. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And now you, it's going to be harder to attack. They're going to get their guard back. So a wedge will stop them from closing the door because the wedge keeps it open. And um, yeah, underhooks, that's one thing too. Like a lot of times when, not always like you can knee you can knee slide with an underhook um where you're controlling their body or you can knee slide where you're you have your arm you start your hand on the mat as a wedge and it just depends on kind of what you're doing so if it's using as a wet if you're using it as a wedge probably you're going to be tripoding with your head on the mat and if you're just if you're controlling their body probably your head is up postured up and then you're you're knee sliding but um yeah i mean what's another there's man there's so many great examples of wedges and then it's just it's just like uh i guess hard to think of them oh, okay okay so yeah well i guess not an example of a wedge just to the door being closed just that that knee to elbow so if you have someone in mount mm-hmm. right and they start bringing their knee to their elbow to escape they're closing the door so it, it can go bo- it can work both ways um where the person that's in a bad position they can understand i need to close the door um how do i do that you know i need to move i need to um you know make an angle i need to get rid of those wedges and um yeah it just makes man it makes everything so much easier when you just understand jujitsu rather than thinking of like these are different techniques like um yeah another good example is just in mounts right there's uh you can go knee to elbow like an elbow escape that's great or you can also um hook their leg with your with your heel like turn turn your legs over and and hook it those are pretty much the same technique, but it's just, mm-hmm. you know, you're just adding something um, to make it easier. And it depends how high up they are and whatnot. But again, it'd be easier to show the video. But um, but that's just a great example of like a lot of things are, are the same technique. They're just like small variations. So instead of thinking of it like different techniques, yeah, it just makes it more confusing. Um, yeah, you just think you got to close the door. How am I going to do this? Uh, yeah. Do you think there's a difference between offensive wedges and defensive wedges? Can you think of like a defensive wedge? Because even with like an elbow escape, if you if you bring your knee in, you're creating a wedge to elevate that leg so you can go back into half guard. Is that more of a defensive or an offensive wedge, do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I haven't really thought about it. Might that. be a video idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I gotta think about that more. Just how to um think about it and how to explain it. But um just in general, defense, usually you want to keep people away from you. And um, offense, you want to keep people close to you. So you can think of it like you want to close the space off. Uh, or sorry, um, you want to, yeah, you want to uh, take away the space for offense yeah, and create space for defense. So I guess, yeah, that would be a wedge 
in a sense because it's in the way. I mean, yeah, your frames are kind of a wedge in that sense. Yeah, I, I got I to think about it more. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. It's We're just going on the fly here. I just, I, I just as you were saying that, I was like, I wonder, because a lot of the times, you know, there's, there's defensive and offensive aspects of each. So, uh, but like you just mentioned, you got to sit there and actually think about it a little bit more because it's a newer concept that you really started diving into. So what, what was yeah. the other one that uh, you said inside position? And what was the third one? Uh, layers of defense, but layer of defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we we we'll go over um, inside position a little more too. So, what inside position is? It's just within the door. So, like, it's the door open, right? So, if you get past someone's knees, um, they can't push off with anything past their knee. Like, you can't like you can't make space with your thigh. Like, it's just that's not going to work, right? So, everything in front of your knee, um, you can make space with. So that's what you need to think of. Like um, you need to always close the door um, defensively. So a great example would also be turtle, right? So um, in turtle, your door is like, you know, everything's facing the mat. Like your, your knees are on the mat, your elbows are on the mat or, or your head's on the mat. And if you let people get inside position, like underneath your, um, like a grip underneath your, your chin and your armpit, like a seatbelt grip or let them get a hook in or their knee, um, well, they've gotten inside that door. So in turtle, you need to keep the door closed. Like you need to keep it shut and, uh, don't let them get in there. Um, cause then, then they'll, then they'll have inside, inside position. So yeah, again, that's a problem where people want to collect techniques. So maybe somebody, they learn all these different, uh, turtle attacks. So they learn, um, the sit or I guess not attacks, some are, some are attacks and some are escapes. So Maybe they learn the sit through the knee bar, the Peterson roll, and like um, what's it called, a Granby roll, and all that stuff's great. Yeah, you should definitely learn it. But if you're letting people get inside that door, they're you're letting them get inside position. You're not going to be able to get any of those techniques off. It just um, they you're not going to be able to if they have grips on you. Uh, so that's what's more important. Understand what's actually priority, and then um, and then you yeah, and then you don't, and then you can actually use the techniques. Yeah, inside position is one of those things where I didn't necessarily think about it a whole lot until I started to watch like your content because you're you're so I think like every video you talk about inside position and just how important it is, even on your podcast with Joey and Mike, like you're you guys are always talking about inside position. And I, th I, I think for beginners, it might be a hard concept to understand one because they have so many variables going on at once. You know what I mean? They're like, holy crap, they're grabbing here. They're grabbing here. Oh, man, now they're smashing me here. And it's like, they'll, like you mentioned, you know, blue belts will go for a knee slice and then they'll give up the underhook. They'll give up the inside position on it and then you'll just take their back because they're so focused on these other areas where they should be focusing on, you know, not giving up that underhook. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you can't let people have grips that control you. You never want to be controlled uh, in jiu-jitsu. And how do people control you? Uh, using grips, right? Grips on your inside position. So, yeah, I'm trying to think of more and more the best ways to simplify um, ex the explanations of it. But basically, the best way to think of it is just go go knee to elbow, and don't. And the, these are your frames stopping people from getting your inside position. So, if they position themselves past your knees, uh, that's not good. Past your elbows, that's not good on the inside of, of here, um, between like your, um, like the, like the pit of your elbow, like all this stuff is bad. So like an arm bar, right. They have their leg 
uh, underneath your armpit, over your face, that's bad, right? Because they have inside position. If you stop them from putting either of those grips there, then you're gonna, then they're not going to be able to armbar you. Well, maybe you can still armbar someone, but it's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be way harder. It's gonna be way harder because those grips both uh, control your posture, and just in general, right? Like you're in side control, you could. Uh, so if someone's passing your guard, you could just let someone grip on, on your head and uh, underneath your armpit with the, with their knee or, or their body. And that's bad um, because now they control you or you can, you know, use frames, keep them, keep them in the way uh, T-Rex arms. And then again, you're shutting that door and not letting them get access to your inside position to take grips that control you. And um, yeah, uh, one, one big one is like people, they don't, pin people's backs to the mat nearly enough so mm. and like and they also don't prevent their back being pinned to the mat nearly enough and wrestling people should take way more from wrestling wrestlers have it right the whole and judo like the objective is pin someone on their back and what happens when you pin someone on their back they can't uh, get an offense off nearly as well like so many different attacks so many different es different escapes require you to get on your side so um yeah that's another great example of like what you need to prioritize like stay stay on your side but like you can break rules if you understand rules so all the time like i i i'll go on my back no problem which can like i don't know i sometimes i worry like i'm trying to sit, tell people like don't do this don't do that but i'm like breaking the rules because <laughs> because i'm not breaking all the rules in a sense like i'm not breaking right. the most important rules like i'll not let someone grab my head but i'll be on my back but like i'll be just relaxing you know i'll get on my side eventually to attack so yeah playing a little lazy like you guys talked about on your podcast <laughs> yeah yeah i do that all the time which is good because again people don't they, they go too fast and they don't um they should go lazy more often so they can just think about everything that's happening like that's a great thing to do is like while you're rolling um just think about what's actually happening right how how's this person controlling you like what grip is is actually controlling you uh where are your grips like are they doing a good job uh defensively or are they nowhere to be seen because you're you're like just reaching over someone letting them have uh control of like underhooks in your head so, um, yeah, people need to just think way more when they roll until they can get to a point where they don't need to think because that's the ideal is where you don't need to think. So it's kind of counterintuitive because, yeah, you don't want to think. But in the beginning, while you're learning jujitsu, you should definitely think because at that point, it doesn't really matter if you win or you lose. Um, what matters is gaining understanding of jujitsu. Yeah, and that's what I mentioned earlier is people will like overthink a lot when they first start because there's like so much that goes into a single round of jujitsu. There's so many micro uh, decisions we have to make, macro decisions, you know what I mean? And so people can really get lost in the weeds of of what's going on at that point. And it's like, bro, just relax. It's all right. It's like, you know, play a little lazy. You're going to lose. You're going to lose a lot. I mean, I lose a lot even from my peers right now, especially because I don't get to train as much. And so when it comes to getting better, uh, doing stuff like this, having conversations about jujitsu, understanding more of the how or the why instead of the how is it helps you just as much as actually practicing the technique uh, well, I wouldn't say actually helps you, but it can help you a lot if Big you time. just if you just sit there and think about what 
what's going on. I know that's a problem I have sometimes is I'll, I'll get in a position where I feel like I'm just getting dominated. And in my mind, I'm like, where do I need to go from here instead of what are they doing to stop me? You know what I mean? Like what, how can I stop them from stopping me? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think that's a huge superpower when you can start thinking, okay, well they have, they have a, a leg grip. So how do I break the leg grip and what do I need to do in order to prevent them from doing that again? And once you can get to that, it's, then you can slowly start becoming more natural at it and not even have to think about it. You'll feel the grip, break it, and then put in what you need to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, I think the best thing to do is just think about um, how do I keep the door closed defensively and how do I open up the door on them for offense? And, um, you know, a great, another great example is uh, pre McKelson. Um, he has a system where it's all about closing the door um based off of instead of using your frames you're keeping everything tight in different ways so you can close the door two ways you can just stay really tight with your body um so like if i keep my elbows tight i'm not keeping the person away from me um but i'm keeping them away from controlling me so i call that closing space because you're literally closing uh the space so you're that's the way you're closing the door but then you can also use frames to stop people from coming in close um and there's pros and cons of both, but, uh, without going on like a tangent or rant, I think people, <laughs> yeah, I think people don't understand Preet McKelson's system, what it actually is and, uh, why it's helpful. Um, because they just view it as like boring or like making jujitsu, um, yeah, boring, I guess, and too defensive, but they don't understand that. Like, that's just a way of closing off inside position, um, based off closing off space and doing different things, um, which are very useful things to do. So sometimes I roll lazy where I just let people um, kind of do what they want while I just close off, I close the door in different ways. And I figure out like, um, yeah, just like think about it while I'm doing, it. I'm just like, you know, where am I going to go? You know, they're trying to go here. Okay. I'm going to close off the door here. And um, I end up using a lot of stuff from Preet, not because I learned it from him, but because I feel, which I don't mean in a bad way, because, uh, but I mean more so like um, it just uh, kind of happened naturally. So like I remember him showing me a lot of stuff and it's like, okay, this is pretty cool. This is different. And then um, I didn't start using it as much or the stuff until I started just like kind of experimenting on my own. And then it, it just kind of naturally happened where a lot of the stuff's actually pretty similar. It, well, it's the same stuff in reality. You're just finding ways to close up, close the door. So, yeah, I, I it's, it's, I, I find it annoying when people um, like criticize him because they st they don't know what they're they don't know they don't know what they're looking at. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I haven't dug too deep into his stuff, but I definitely, from being in the podcast space and being on Reddit, people. People are like, oh, that stuff is so stupid. I remember when I first started uh, rolling with my professor that I have now, um, I was like super defensive, like trying to keep my head stuck to the mat, you know, elbows in tight, just like making very little movement and just trying to be as defensively sound as possible. And uh, afterwards, we got we got done rolling and he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, good job. I mean, I, I couldn't submit you, but I mean, did you? did you do anything? Like, did you learn anything? And I was like, I was like, well, no, I didn't do anything. And I mean, I kind of just like laid there and stopped you from doing anything, which to me was a win. I mean, not getting submitted is a win, especially against a, a good black belt, but I could see what he was talking about. You know what I mean? Like 
what did you practice? Like, what what did you learn from this role? It's like, well, I learned that my defense is pretty good, but that's probably about it. Like, it was kind of a waste of a a role with someone that could really show me something and help me in that in that role. So, being too defensive can also be, you know, hinder you from from not progressing as much. Hey Amen. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And this is something we talked about on my podcast too uh, with the guys. And I said the same thing, um, being too defensive can be bad too. And it's funny, some people criticize, but um, they don't know what they're looking at either because yeah, like rolling only defensive is not going to help you unless you understand like why you're rolling defensive. So like, again, we kind of talked about, I like to roll lazy sometimes. Well, it's the same thing really. Just I just was just doing what you're doing. But I understand why I'm doing it because I want to practice these things. I'm not just my goal isn't like I don't want to get submitted and that like that's my only worry. It's like no, like I'm working on um, closing off space and closing the door and finding different ways to do it, and that's the objective. And then when I am rolling normal, um, then if I need to use some of these tools, um, saying again, I get in a bad spot in, um, for a second. Well, I can use those tools to make sure it doesn't get worse and then get back to a good spot. So um, like a great example is just how many people turtle um, with the door open as they turtle. And it's just <laughs> so easy to you know take their back. Like, um, But if they were to go to turtle and, making, and prioritize keeping that door closed, then they could actually escape, like I mentioned before. So you like building those skills of being uh, rolling defensively can be a good thing if you know what you're actually doing it for and you know what skills you're working on and the objective isn't isn't just like i don't want to get submitted if i don't get submitted it's a win it's like no like you got to use those skills but then like you Mm -hmm. know you need offensive skills too so 100 percent, you shouldn't just be defensive but use those defensive skills you worked on when you are rolling normal where you actually want to get offense off yeah so to wrap this the inside position up focus on inside position don't give people inside position but don't make it the sole focus to where you don't do anything you don't learn in the role because you're just so focused on that inside position like you take some risk if you need to but like you mentioned roll lazy or give give up some stuff but don't break the core like every every rule just to do something you know what i mean like just keep that inside position but don't make it your sole focus to where you're not going to learn from from jiu-jitsu so layers of defense that was a good one on the jiu-jitsu theory course that would that whole section i was like dude i took a bunch of notes i sent you my notes i was like i took a bunch of notes in there i was like holy crap like long short frames like you know feet being grips feet being framed like i was like this is like incredible let's let's dig into why people should focus on layers of defense and short and long frames and all that stuff so what what should be the first thing that they they put prioritize when they think about layers of defense yeah so um first off thank you because when i was making the that and like i just kind of like came up with this stuff myself like when it comes to uh like the terminology and just the whole idea itself and i was like shit um what are people going to think about this are like are they going to gain value from it and i don't know i get in my own head a lot so i I really like that people um like that like the layers of defense kind of concepts so yeah, I mean, a great example would be when I roll with big guys, um, I want to keep the big guy away from me as much as possible. So I prioritize guards, which keep my feet in front of them, because that's the first layer of defense is your feet in front of them. So I don't want them to come close 
and uh, get past my feet. And then I only have my knees in front of them. And then if they get past my knees, well, then I'm screwed because I have nothing to keep them away. So, I mean, it's high, it all ties in together of like um, the first layer of defense is your feet. Second layer is your knees. And then past your knees is inside position because that's uh, that's past the door, like your door that's the door open is um, wide open. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. So yeah, hundred percent. And then when you think of it like that, it's like, okay, um, while you're rolling, do I have any layer of defense in front of my uh, partner, which you don't always need. Um, for example, like you can roll at half guard and you don't need a knee shield, but is it more defensive? Absolutely. It is. And a lot of people would benefit from using their knee shield more Um but they don't, you don't always need it. Um, but it's also like layers of defense apply to your arms too. When it comes to your hands and your elbows, you can't let people get underneath your elbows because again, they're inside the door. So the first layer is your hands. Second layer is your elbows. And um, when you're rolling, if, if you just, if you understand that you don't let people get underneath your elbows, like that's bad, um, then things become easier. So it just in general, like, um, how much I roll like lazy just um, where I'm just like, instead of like going in bad positions and more so I'm just like relaxed and I'm just letting them do their thing, keeping my frames in the way, making sure they do not get past my elbow under any circumstance. I'm prioritizing that and working on that skill. Um, whereas people don't even know that that's an important thing to understand. So they're just uh, letting people get underneath their elbows so much. And then it also applies to the mat too. So I mean, if someone passes your guard, um, you can try to get a layer of defense back in front of them, meaning your knee or, or your foot, but you can also uh, go towards the mat, go to turtle and get a layer of defense on there, which would be your knee would be get layer two. And what's more defensive is, is layer one. So for example, um, I did like a super fight like a year ago against a really big guy. And uh, he like reversed me from, uh, I was, I had his back. I was trying to get to mount and he just did this huge bridge into me. And if I were to stay there, I would have been in side control underneath this like huge, heavy dude. And there was no way I was going to be able to get my knee in front of him, my second layer of defense, but I could get my knee on the mat. So that's what I did. I went, I put my knee on the mat, my knees, I went to turtle and then right away I went to my feet. And then shortly after I knee barred him. So I had to choose what am I going to do in that moment? Um, try to get my layer defense back in front of him or on the mat. And because I put it on the mat, I chose right. I ended the match. Things were good to go. But how many people would just um, accept side control because they don't understand they need to get a layer defense somewhere right now? Like this is priority. Do it right now instead of just yeah being in side control. So when you talk about you know layers of defense. Uh, if someone has in, like frames, you know, their hands are in front of people, but their arms are bent, knees are in front of them, but their, you know, their knees are bent, feet or whatever, or is that still layer one or would that be layer two because they've already kind of closed the space to where you're bending your limbs? Yeah, it'd be layer two. Yeah. So like, you know, in, um, like in uh turtle, you have your knee on the mat and you probably have your foot on the mat too, but you're still, it's a short frame. So you're still in layer two mm. or same with like, um, yeah, your arms too. You can have your hand on someone gripping them. You can be framing and gripping at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, which another great example of that is, uh, is butterfly guard is sorry, half guard butterfly. 
I think is superior to the knee shield because the knee shield is a frame, but half guard butterfly, you have a frame and a hook and a grip because your instep is, is on them. So I think you can just, you can say just from that, that that is a superior position, right? So yeah, just understanding like you need grips, you need frames. If you have nothing, uh, things are going to be harder. So yeah, anytime you can, you, you want to, you, you want to get grips, like grips are offensive. So like a knee shield is great, uh, defensively, but you're going to need to take it out at some point to get, uh, any attacks going. So just say you want to go for an underhook, you need to take your knee shield out first, uh, to get there because a frame keeps them away from you, but it also keeps you away from them. Um, so yeah, just understanding that is very helpful, but yeah, I shouldn't say you need to take your knee shield out because there are certain sweeps that you can keep your knee shield in like a, like a half guard flower sweep. So yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Inside position is like I mentioned was, or, uh, not inside position, uh, short, long frames, layers of defense. Like I mentioned that, that was like my favorite part of the jujitsu theory course. Cause it was just an eye opener for me. And now when I teach jujitsu, I use that terminology. I'm like, all right, guys, you got short and long frames, you know, and this is what they are. You know, you don't want people to get past your knees, get past your elbows, you know, and if they do, you have to create space to get them back in there and then slowly work your way back out. Uh, because it, it was just like, a, I was just like, holy crap, man. Why did I never think of this? It's like one of those things where everyone, you hear it so many times in jujitsu, it kind of like you turn it off. Like you're just like, oh yeah, whatever frames, frames, frames. But then you hear it in a different way and it kind of reignites it. They're like, oh, that makes like, that makes sense. Now I completely understand everything. My, well, not everything, but every, uh, a lot more of what my, my coach was saying, because you said it in a different way. So now when he brings it up, it's I'm much more engaged now because ah, the, here it is now. Now it here is in when he's showing me the same thing. So I think that's a great way to if you feel like you're you're not understanding something, maybe try to hear it from someone else, it, you know, like go home and research. Like, what is he talking about with this butterfly hook? Like. I, I like I understand it, but why is it so important? Do a little bit of research, go understand it, go understand short, long frames. And then when it clicks with you from maybe from hearing it someone else, when you go back to class, you're going to start gaining a lot more knowledge because your foundation of understanding is much greater now from from doing a little bit of your own research. Exactly. And to your point about the butterfly hook, just because I, I like this thing I find interesting is that like so many guards are just uh well every guard is just the way you position your feet and they're even named that other than collar and sleeve which is the way you position your hands but every every other guard is it's how you position your feet and it's more often than not it's your insteps so like <laughs> using your insteps it's just say okay someone breaks a grip on you of your like they take your foot uh, off of them well shit get get your instep somewhere else on them you know like you just grip them somewhere instead of thinking these about these guards as individual guards just think i need to grip with my feet somewhere and how do you do that well your your uh your foot can only grip three different ways well yeah i guess grip is the right word kind of it, it can i don't know you can use your instep you can use the flat of your foot or you can use your heel so the heel is very um uncommon you only really use it in single leg x and basically everything else is your insteps. But how often do you watch people roll? They're in their guard and they're not doing shit all with their instep, right? <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, well, you need you need to control the person. If you don't have a grip on them, you're not controlling them and they can just uh, escape so much easier. So, or not, or not escape, but progress so much easier. So 
that's just something I find very um, lacking in jujitsu is like, you know, just the, the objective, the objective, get grips on them with your hands and your feet. And the most common grip uh, with your feet is going to be the, in, the instep. So get that somewhere on them. Yeah. And sorry. And don't think of it as individual, as individual guards so much. Yeah. Just like, think of it. Like I need to get a grip because like people will think, okay, the instep's a butterfly hook. Well, when, it, why is it a butterfly hook? But then like, when you go shin on shin on someone that's uh shin on shin, or when you go X guard, that's just, that's just X guard. Well, all these are the same things in the sense of it's just you, you're hooking your instep onto the person. So yeah, it's just like use your insteps. Perfect. All right, let's go one more tip or one more thing that people should focus on in 2024 to, to become a black belt faster. <laughs> yeah. Um, the main thing is I just like to preach this so much is just have fun. And I know it's just such a generic advice, but uh, it's just the truth. Like people take jujitsu way too serious. If you're not going to be a hundred percent. Yeah. If you don't want to, if, if your goal isn't to be a world champion, then it doesn't matter if you lose uh, some, you're not progressing as fast as you want or whatever it is. Just have fun because people take the fun out of it. And I just, I just hate to see it. I hate to see people like uh, not have as much fun because they lose. Um, yeah, it's not a big deal to lose because the person that's beating you, someone can beat them and someone can beat them. So like, it's just the way she goes. Yeah. There's always going to be in jujitsu. There's always going to be someone faster, stronger, better, you know, even within your Academy, you know? Um, and that's one thing that I've, I really started to like focus on too was, like having fun, man. Like I'm there with friends. I, I, it's a privilege to be able to train for me. You know what I mean? Like, and so why would I go in there thinking it's a requirement or it's a necessity to win all the time or to do my best when it's, uh, it's something I get to go do. I don't have to go do it. I get to go do it. I'm not trained to be a world champ. I have a 401k. You know what I mean? Like I'm, <laughs> I go there cause I want to be around like-minded people. I want to get a good exercise in. I want to do it for the calories. Like you said in our first interview, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, so I, I feel like people, um, especially when it comes to, oh, I was submitted by a lower belt or whatever, they do take jujitsu way too seriously. And when you first start off, you can, you can have such big expectations for yourself and what it, it requires you to be whatever level you want to be at that you can really put a hindrance on your journey because you're going to hold it to such a high pedestal you'll feel like you'll never, never achieve it. So what's the, even the point of doing all this when you should just go in, learn, be around people, have fun and lose losing's losing's where you learn the most. Exactly. I mean, everyone needs a third space. So what a third space is for those who don't realize or don't, don't know, um, like you have your home, you have your work. And then if you don't have a third space to go to, then your life is going to be, not as great as it could be otherwise because people need uh, to socialize they need to see other people they need to be uh, in different environments and jujitsu is such a great third space for people i think that's why it's so popular and people love it so much but then it can go from something that's was very exciting and a great thing for you to something more toxic only because of your own ego and your own uh dissatisfaction with losing so a lot of things that uh i do I want people to be the opposite. 
because people should listen. I didn't listen to my elders uh, when I was coming up and I should have. Um, and now that I'm like an elder, not in the sense of age, because I'm not too old, but in the sense of like, I've been doing this. We're a getting long up time. there though. Yeah, I know. I'm 33 now. I got gray hairs and gray beard now. It sucks. But uh, yeah, like I'm doing this a long time and I always uh, was very hard on myself and I still am. And I, I don't want it like, I have a hard time, uh, dealing with, um, you know, my own ego at times, but I've reached a level now where, um, it doesn't get challenged very often. So like, um, but what I mean is like, it's different for me. I have different expectations because like, this is my job, what I do. And this is what, like, I've been doing so long, but I can see it from the other side, seeing people get uh, upset with their progress. And I'm like, no, don't be like how I was because I, I had a different, mm -hmm. um, I have a totally different like objective for what I wanted to do with this. And same when it comes to uh, your body and treating it right, um, keeping it. Um, yeah. Good. Like for a long time, I was not uh, very good on my body. <laughs> like I just like, I let things, um, you know, submissions go too far or just like mm -hmm. let myself just get, or I, I come back from a submission, to, uh, sorry, uh, an injury too quickly and whatnot. And now that I'm feeling the effects of it, now that I'm, a little older now it's like crap i should have listened to the people before me and i really think it's people that are you know starting jujitsu now maybe they've been training a year two three years whatever um they might not hurt now but they will hurt if they don't train intelligently so i always try to try to uh spread like good jujitsu uh, etiquette culture safety that kind of stuff and um yeah because like my neck's pretty bad and uh that's like the worst part it's my neck sucks but everything else is like decent um for the most part like my knee i hurt it but it's not the end of the world but yeah i want people to train for a long time have their third space for a long time and to do that you need to be uh healthy mentally and healthy physically so don't be too hard on yourself and keep your body uh in check yeah, I feel like blue belt blues or purple blues or whatever you want to call it. When people start quitting jujitsu, is because they're no longer having fun. It could be for a multitude of reasons. It doesn't have to be, you know, promotions or whatever. And I feel like that's when people start stepping away is when they feel an obligation to show up. Because I've definitely mm -hmm. have gone through that. I felt at a point I was like, I was like, I have to go to jujitsu, whether it was because of the podcast or because. It, I, I felt like if I didn't go that time, then I was going to get so far behind and I didn't want to do that. And I was going to start sucking at jujitsu more than I already do. You know what I mean? And it, it really put like this, this weight on my shoulders to go train, you know, and it was so hard to motivate myself to show up and to be there. Even during the class, I'm like, why am I here, man? Like, what am I doing? You know, I could be at home uh sitting watching tv but i'm i'm here like i don't really even want to be here and i think it was because i started focusing on more things than just having fun you know what i mean and if you guys are experiencing that at home maybe reevaluate why you're showing up to train is it because you want to be a world champ because being fun in jujitsu trying to be a world champ sometimes they're gonna they're gonna collide it's not gonna always be fun but if you just want to be there to learn jujitsu get better at self-defense then focus on that like have fun it's okay you don't have to win everything you don't you're not always you, you might get past up on promotions and that's okay too as long as you you prioritize what your goal is yeah i agree 100 percent. and just to expand on your point like 
if you're not having fun with jujitsu, it's absolutely okay to take a break. Um, yeah. But you know, at the same time, I I think everyone needs something. I think like if if maybe jujitsu isn't for you and uh, you know you do quit or whatever, but you should find something, something that uh, some third space, some interest, some hobby. Because watching TV all day or all night after work, um, you know, it, it's fun. Like yeah, it's definitely there's a time and a place for it. Like I, I enjoy that too. <laughs> but like every yeah. single day, and that be your hobby. Um, I don't think that's like the living life to the fullest. But I also, yeah, I'm not saying that's bad. That's great within moderation um, because it is relaxing and enjoyable and you need to relax. But yeah, you know, some people should try Muay Thai too. Like Muay Thai is very fun. And I think that uh, Jiu-Jitsu people don't realize that they would have a lot of fun if they if they train some Muay Thai. And you don't need to spar. You can just train just for fun. And um, But you can spar too. It's not as scary as uh, people would think as long as you're matched up with the right people. And um so maybe if someone's having a slump in jujitsu, maybe um, taking a couple months off and doing Muay Thai instead might be a great, great option. Like I love Muay Thai. I've been training Muay Thai for like eight years and people don't realize they think I'm only a jujitsu guy, but like no, I, I do it all. I love it all. And it's funny actually. Uh, so I did like a reality self-defense uh, thing and uh, they, the guy made a poll who, who do you think is going to win? And I, only 10% of people said me. I was like, what the hell? Because they, they're like, oh, these other guys are, uh, you know, they're well, they're more well-rounded, but uh, they just don't know that I do Muay Thai too. So it doesn't like make me upset. I think it was, I thought it was kind of funny. It's because they don't understand. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a decent striker nowadays. Yeah. They didn't watch you and Matt Chan or uh, Jeff Chan. Yeah. Jeff Chan. I, uh, Matt Chan's a CrossFitter. I always get them. Uh, Jeff Chan on, you know, shredded MMA uh sparring with each other in mma rounds and what was it like two years ago three years ago like go watch yeah. that video guys if you haven't seen it already yeah that exactly but it's that like my striking was not great then that was actually right after the pandemic um and i hadn't done any striking in like a year and a half probably and so i had to do that round i'm like shit how do i even do this like i haven't sparred in so long <laughs> but uh he commented I, I sparred with him a couple months ago that uh he was blown away how much better i've gotten um at muay thai and he asked me like oh who's your instructor it's like well me like i don't have an instructor i did teach professor myself. youtube yeah exactly <laughs> and and i don't say that to be like cocky oh i'm so great but it's it's the same thing with jiu-jitsu i've only had an instructor uh since i had an instructor up until i was a blue belt three and a half years of training and then I had to, you know, teach myself at that point. And again, I don't say that to brag. What I what I mean by that is like, you can learn so much online and get good, and you can increase your understanding. You don't need to rely on your gym or rely on other people. Um, it's all out there on the internet, and people should take advantage of it, um, whether they have an instructor or not. It's like learn, like do your homework if you want to be better at the sport. Uh, learn, uh, yeah, learn online. Perfect. Well, Jordan, this is a great conversation. A lot of nuggets in there. I can't wait for people to hear this and and uh, learn what they should be focused on in 2024 to really step up their jujitsu game. Because I feel like a lot of things we touched on, uh, we, you know, we got very, you know, kind of like personal with it and why it's important. And I feel like it, it really resonates more when people understand like, you know, the why someone would be so, you know, heartfelt about it. So if people want to follow you, where can where they can they find you if they're you know they live under a rock in the jiu-jitsu community <laughs> yeah just uh jordan teaches jiu-jitsu youtube tiktok instagram i think that's all i got and uh yeah jordan teaches jiu-jitsu so yeah check me out
Perfect. And Jordan's been stepping his uh, Instagram game up quite a bit, too. Those things are getting hundreds of thousands of views, every single one of them. Same on TikTok. So it's good stuff. So, But, hey, guys, thank you so much for listening and watching at home. Uh, be sure to go check out Jordan's Theory course. Uh, link down below if you guys want $25 off. Thank you, Jordan, for helping me out with that. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, let me know what you guys think. Go subscribe to Jordan, and uh, we'll catch you later. Remember, no oil checks here. Peace.